The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Speaking of uh, the greatest, because uh, I believe Jesus is the greatest, uh, the greatest who's, who's ever lived, but today I want to talk to you about uh, the wisest men and women, the wisest men and women in the world, in the universe, the wisest men and, the, uh, wisest men and women who, who ever lived. And if I were to ask you uh, who you would put on that list, um, you would probably have your own list of people who you might pick. You might pick Aristotle or Plato. Uh, you might pick, obviously, Jesus or the Apostle Paul. You might pick somebody else amazing. You, some of you might pick Steve Jobs for that situation. Some of you might pick Amelia Earhart to be discerning and wise to go flying around the world or attempt something wild like that. You might have an interesting list of who you would put on to be the wisest men and women in the world. Well, um, there's a lot of different versions of wisdom because people say a lot of different things as, as what we determine to be wise. I think we have a graphic up here from some statements of wisdom. Here's what Solomon said uh, about wisdom. He said, a fool is wise in his own eyes, which is pretty brilliant in itself. Einstein said this, wisdom is not a product of schooling but of life, a lifelong attempt to acquire it, which is very wise. Mother Teresa said, a life not lived for others is not a life. Ton of wisdom in that one. Uh, Socrates, or Socrates, for some of you who you know him by that, um, the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. And uh, I think that's true, at least from our perspective to God's. Uh, the Bible says God's ways are higher than ours, as much as the heavens are above the earth. He's got so much more wisdom uh, than we do. So when we talk about wisdom, when we look at life at the topic of wisdom and we try to discern who are the wisest men and women who ever lived, I really think we have to look at it through the lens of, of what does God say about wisdom? What does God say about wisdom? Because we might have our own opinion about wisdom, but the Bible says that God in the end will discern and reveal what was really true wisdom and what was not wisdom at all? It says in Jeremiah 8, 9, we have for the screen up here, it says, the wise will be put to shame and they will be dismayed and trapped since they have rejected the word of the Lord. Uh, what kind of wisdom do they have? Now, I could see that somebody thinking they're wise on earth, but standing before God and never acknowledging him or their need for forgiveness or their need for a savior and living their life for their own purposes or cause and completely missing out on the, on the offer and definition of life, the way God presents it. Uh, failing to look that life is really short and eternity is really long and missing out on all the wisdom that goes along with that. The Bible says in Jeremiah, God's gonna expose the clarity of what true wisdom is. Proverbs 9.10 says this, and I, lo I love this one, and I would wholeheartedly agree, this is where wisdom begins. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is is understanding that if we don't have fear, not being afraid of God, that's not what this fear word is. This fear word is awe, being awestruck by God, his power, his love, his magnitude, his love for you, his plans for you. He's just so profound in his love and, and, and his, what he has for your life that Moses was in front of the presence of the bush uh, where God appeared to him and he just gets down on his face because he's in awe. It's that kind of fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom because it makes us realize who God is and who we are not. 
And when we realize who God is and who we are not, wisdom begins there. But some people miss that step and have a lot of different versions of wisdom or what they would uh, see as, as wisdom. Well, today we're going to go, uh, we're in the Bible, we're in the book of Matthew, but we're going to jump forward to an earlier passage to what the Bible calls wise men. And since the Bible calls them wise men, we're going to see what is so wise about the wise men. And I believe what we're going to see in this passage about the wise men, that if we want to be wise men and women, if we want to be among the wisest men and women in the world, I think there's a lot to learn from who the Bible calls the wise men. And so we're going to learn a couple of key characteristics that they have in their life that we can adapt into our life that will help shift the trajectory of our wisdom in our life. If we start looking at life through this framework, if we start looking at uh, wisdom through the lens that God is offering specifically that we see in these, these wise men, I think we're going we're gonna to glean a lot from it today. Um, and these wise men, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or open your device. Um, but to set it up, uh, this topic of wise men uh, is in the Bible before the story of the wise men coming to see the Messiah Jesus. We see this term wise men come up in the Old Testament in the book of, in the book of Daniel. And um, these guys, uh, these wise men we see in Daniel, it says in Daniel chapter 2, 48, it says that the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished with many gifts on him, and he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Wise men. Israel is here, and out to the east in Israel is Babylon, Persian, these different empires ruled out there for a long time. And Daniel was in captivity with much of Israel in the east, in these Persian and Babylonian empires. And at the time, there were thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jewish people that lived for many, many years in these provinces. And along with them would be their Jewish Bible, their Old Testament scripture, the Torah. They would have the Bible with them out there. And these wise men and the scholars that they put Daniel in charge of, these kind of people would be knowledgeable about all kinds of faiths, all kinds of prophecies, all sorts of things knowable. They would glean to know them. And the beauty is we see in this story that there was apparently a Jewish scripture out in the East that wise men looked at and discerned and it changed their entire life because of the magnitude that they, that they put on this thing. And there was one specific prophecy. And that one prophecy is that one day, these wise men, which were well-educated and astronomers, they studied the stars as many generations and many, uh, many peoples in history over time, the, the most educated studied the stars and they realized that there's rotations and, and things that change at certain times of the year and things that happen rarely. But what these astronomers knew, these wise men, one day, one day, there's going to be a new star appearing. It's a star they hadn't seen before, and it's going to show up, and it's going to be amazing. They knew where it was going to rise. It was going to rise over Israel. And so one day, if and when a star rises over Israel, they will know what this star is. If the meaning of this star is going to be Israel's newborn king, and that is profound. So let's, uh, let's uh, look at this real quick. In fact, we have a graphic, I think, of that um, scripture of the prophecy of no, uh, Numbers 24, 17. Uh, this is pretty amazing, uh, and I love the way this is written. Um, it, it's, it's amazing because this prophecy would be something they would hold close to home. It says, I see him, but not, but not now. Uh, I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a, skept, a scepter 
shall rise out of Israel. These guys are knowing when they see the star, this star means when I see the star, I see him. But not really now, just his star. When I see the star, I behold him. I behold him, but not near. I'm still far away from his presence where it is. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. They're talking about a ruler who will rule all nations coming out of Israel. And they knew, they knew that this was going to happen out of Israel. And when it did, it's far away. I see it, but I don't see him personally because I'm not there. I behold, but I'm not quite near. So when this star appeared, they knew this was a game changer. And this is amazing what happens in the story. So follow along with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 2. We're looking at verse uh, 1 through 12 today. And if you're interested more in the science behind that star, there are many uh, astronomers who have uh, made a computer-generated timeline where they can take the universe and, and go back in time with the motions of stars. And there's amazing star science behind the star of Bethlehem. If you're interested, you can look at that. It's pretty amazing what lined up and what would have happened and what it would have looked like that we can't uh, get into today. But it says this in Matthew chapter 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has born the King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When the king heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he, had, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the Magi, or the wise men, as some of your translations call the Magi, because they were the, the intelligent astronomers who discerned things, and that was the term given to them. They came from the east, from Persia, and they, wanted to, they knew when this star appeared, it was going to be the newborn king, and that's what set them out on a journey in the first place. And the reason why these guys are so wise, and I think this is where we need to begin, if we're going to glean, if you and I are going to glean from their wisdom, if you and I want to be among the wisest men and women in the world, at least according to God's view of wisdom, again, the world might have a different definition of wisdom and who they put in what category. But the Bible says that when we stand before God, he's going to lay bare the wisdom of man. He's going he's to let shine what real wisdom was and what Uh, what an artificial or a counterfeit wisdom is. If you want to have this kind of wisdom, the wisdom of the wise man, I think there's a lot for us to glean. The first one is this this morning, is to read and believe God's word. Read and believe God. Don't just read it, but read it and believe God's words. That means know the scripture and believe what they say. Read them, believe it, and know what they say. Now listen, I know maybe none of us in the room are an absolute scholar on scripture, but you can make it a lifelong journey to know scripture to understand scripture and when you do that you begin to walk in wisdom you walk in god's counsel not man's counsel and then that's true wisdom these guys found a prophecy in the ancient jewish scriptures when this star comes if it ever comes when it ever comes it means a king is coming israel's king and he's going to have profound power to pretty much rule heaven and earth and if and when we see that star That's serious business. And sure enough, a star appears. They read the scripture. They understand the scripture. 
and they go ahead and act on the scripture. And I think that's profound. So wise men and women believe the word of God. They believe the prophecies of God. If you and I were wise, we would look at our times that we're living in right now. The Bible says, be wise like the sons of Issachar, the Bible says, who understood the times. If you and I want to be wise, we will understand our times. We will look at scripture. We will look at prophecy. We will know where we fit in the timeline or at least have a general idea of, wow, I see what you're doing and your sovereignty, God, and here's where I fit into this. Wow, you really did have me born for such a time as this when the world is coming alive and waking up at a whole different tempo and pace than any prior generation in the history of humanity. No generation in humanity has seen or is seeing what you are seeing right now. Do you realize that? Think about this. This is true. No generation in the history of humanity is seeing or has seen what you are seeing right now. The development of knowledge, knowledge and creation of things coming out and content and things going on the internet, the, the, the development of knowledge is multiplying exponentially. Historically, it's been like this from horses and buggies and sailboats to steam engines, to rocket science, the World Wide Web and anything you want to discover. And it's, it's, it's growing exponentially right on your watch and right on my watch, right on our watch. That's by the sovereign design of God. As Esther was told, maybe, just maybe, you were made for such a time as this. And that was a rhetorical statement, of course, you are made for such a time as this. If we're going to have wisdom, if we want to be wise men and women of God, we've got to discern the times, understand scripture, understand prophecy, and get in on these things. The wise men saw, they understand scripture, and they're like, wow, we get it, and we don't just get it and believe it. The next thing is they, they act on it. Don't just believe it, but act on it. And that's our second point this morning. If you want to have uh, the wisdom of the wise men, if you want to be the wisest men and women, if there's something to glean from their example and model, it's step out in faith based on what God says. Step out in faith based on what God's word says. If you read it in the book, we said before that God's word is irrevocable. It's going to go out. It's going to accomplish, it says in, in scripture, everything that he sent it to do, like the boomerang. It's going to do everything through all generations of time. And it's going to come back to him and it won't return void, Scripture says. That means what he sent it to do, it'll accomplish all and come back. So if you read it in the book, if you believe it, you can act on it because it's solid. It's completely golden. There's a lot of philosophies that come and go. There's a lot of styles that come and go. There's a lot of things that come and go. Trends that come and go. If we get caught up on those, they're all falling short. But God's word will stand forever, Scripture says. The grass fades, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And that's why uh, believe it, but not only believe it, step out on faith in what it says. If you want to start walking in wisdom, you start reading scripture and the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who authored scripture, because all scripture is, is spirit breathed, the Bible says, the same spirit who authored scripture will begin to start doing something in your heart. As you're, as you're reading scripture, it's just amazing how it works. You're, you can be in God's word, and as you're reading it, you're reading it, you're reading, all of a sudden on the inside, the Holy Spirit kind of jumps a little bit or says, Psst, did you see that? Just qu- uh, quickens something to you. He, he illuminates something to you. He brings to life the word that's already alive. He brings it alive even more and personally to you. And that's why the Bible is alive and living and sharper than a two-edged sword. If you camp out with God, you spend time, he's going to bring things to illumination, so to speak. He's going to bring them to light. 
And when he does, you act on those things because that's exactly what happened with these wise men. There's a prophecy, comes alive to them. They see a star, we read it and we believe it. But that's not just wisdom. Wisdom now is stepping out and acting by faith on what it says. And here's the important thing. Because they acted in faith, they got in on a journey of a lifetime. They got in on a journey that we're talking about 2,000 years later. They got on a journey that changed their life. Uh, They could have had a bunch of peers back home, a bunch of other astronomers that they told about this who read the same scripture and go, yeah, that's nice, but I'm not going to act on it. And they stayed home. They stayed home. But these ones believed it and they acted and they began their, their journey with journey to see King Jesus. So they acted in faith by seeking King Jesus and they, listen, they committed to the journey. They committed to the journey. There are some that like the idea of King Jesus like the idea, and even believe what the book says. But when it comes to committing to a journey, well, I don't know about committing to a journey. I mean, I like him, I believe it, but I don't know if I want to change my path. And there are so many who never actually change uh, their path. There was a great revivalist at the turn of the century uh, who they said there was uh, hundreds of people who were coming to Christ at these crusades. And, and they said to him, so just how many people, how many people really came to Christ? And you know what he said? He said, come back in five years and ask me that question. I'll tell you in five years. I can't tell you today, but in five years, I'll tell you how many actually went on the journey with Jesus. And so it is with us. True wisdom actually acts in faith. So Herod now is upset because these guys come and they talk about a newborn king which threatens everything that exists in his life. And that is lack of wisdom. When you're threatened by others around you, being threatened by you, you gotta trust in the sovereignty of God. Don't be threatened by people. Uh, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. If we're threatened by people, that's our flesh reacting to a fear like, well, maybe they'll take my spot or maybe they'll, we can't worry about that stuff. Listen, if God gives somebody your spot, he's probably going to graduate you if you're faithful. Do you realize that? If you're faithful with what God's given you, if somebody takes your spot, whatever that might be in life, uh, God is going to graduate you because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and he promotes us if we're faithful with little we'll get to be faithful with more we cannot be worried about holding our spot or maintaining our post in life i i say that because that's not true wisdom that's acting in fear and so herod right here is modeling a fear-driven leadership model where he is just afraid of losing and he will do anything it takes to maintain and there is there's no wisdom in that So he's upset. He asked the Jewish leaders. The wise men come. They're telling me about a prophecy. They said they're coming to see a king. His star is here. Is that true? Is there anything about a star or a Messiah or where is he going to come from? And they consult the scriptures and they come back and says, yep, when the Messiah comes, he's coming from Bethlehem. So they came from far away and they came due west, which is right where Jerusalem is. And that little town over there is where the Messiah would be coming from. Moves on in verse 7 and says, Then Herod called the Magi, the wise men, secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed, overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So these guys start out, they believed God's word. Their whole journey started, listen, their whole journey started by believing God's word. They opened the book out in Persia. They read the book, if and when the star comes, Israel's king is born. Wow, we believe the book. Oh, now we see the star. I believe the book first because it's the word of God. And now I'm getting a sign. Everybody say sign. Isn't it nice to get a sign from God? Can I get a show of hands? How many people like to get a sign from God? How many people ask God for a sign? Okay, that's great. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. And God gives them throughout scripture. But he doesn't always give them. But he does give them. So these guys believe the book. They believe the word. And they act in faith by the word. And guess what they get rewarded with? A sign. And they're following a sign. And it's so awesome to be able to find a sign. So they believe the word to begin their journey. They're following a sign which helps sustain their journey, which is absolutely amazing. But listen, they got to be a point, they got to be a point where they didn't have a sign anymore. Their sign somehow went away. Their sign went away. The wisest men, their sign went away. They believed the word, they stepped out in faith, they're pursuing a sign. They go all the way east out of Israel, the star, they get to Jerusalem, the capital where worship central is. There is no star, so now they're asking. They're asking, do you guys know where, is what they're asking, because they don't have a sign anymore. And so at some point, you might not have a sign when you have a sign, and it is nice to have a sign, um, but what they're doing next, what do you do when you believe the word of God, you believe it, and you begin your journey because you believe the word of God, that's wisdom, and then you step out in faith to it because that is wisdom to step out in faith and commit to the journey towards everything Jesus has for you. You commit to that journey because that's what faith really does. And God blesses you with a sign. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for signs because they're wonderful and they really help us a lot. Gideon put a fleece before the Lord. Show me, God. Give me a sign. Plenty of things in Scripture where God gave signs, but he doesn't always do it. These guys do their whole journey. They got this sign right in front of them. They're like, awesome. It's like Israel being led by a cloud by day and fire by night. Yes. And they're traveling. And then, poof, (laughs) there's no sign. There is no more sign. And so they go to Jerusalem, and this is the capital, and they go, can you guys tell us? So what do you do after you believe the word and after you walk in faith and after you keep going, committed to the cause of Christ, and then all of a sudden you don't have a sign? There are no signs. And maybe you're praying for a sign, you're seeking God for a sign, and you're not getting a sign. These guys, they sought godly counsel. That's what they did. And that's what you and I should do in our lives too. If we're lacking discernment and wisdom on where to go, we're believing the book, we're believing God, it's your word, I believe what it says, I'm trying to follow it here. Thank you for the sign. Yes, you helped my path, you shed light, you made it even more clear. This is awesome, God, thank you. And now, God, the sign is gone. I don't have a sign. God, please give me a sign. I don't have a sign. And they don't have a sign. And so now they ask and seek godly counsel. And that's what you need to do and I need to do. The Bible says wise is the counsel of many. Wise is the counsel of many. We want wisdom. Wise is the counsel of many. And some people do life without the counsel of many, without wisdom in their life, just trying to fly solo and figure everything out on their own. The Bible says wisdom, and it says so many things about plans being established in the counsel of a a wise counsel in a a plurality of friends that have a fear of the Lord and an understanding of of his ways. And so that's really important. So 
if we're going to do what the wise men do, if we're going to glean from these guys what true wisdom about, here's our third point this morning. Thank God for his signs. Thank God for his signs. But no matter what happens, no matter what happens, walk according to his word. Thank him for his signs. I ask God for signs all the time, and I get some, and sometimes I get none. And you keep asking, and sometimes you get none in a certain area. You're like, oh, God, I wish I had a sign. Give me something. Throw me something, God. Give me some indicator. Please, God, make it clear. Sometimes you'll get some, and sometimes you won't. Thank God for the signs. But no matter what happens, you keep walking according to his word, and this passage was out of Israel, the Messiah is going to come, and they go right to the worship central of Israel, right smack where the temple is and everything. We're going right to the heart of the kingdom of God, because somewhere in this town, God's raising up the Messiah King, and we're doing everything to find him, and we don't have a sign, so we're going to just follow what the word says, and they walk up, and they step into Jerusalem, and they start asking. That's really important. So the wise men, they take this journey of faith, and here's what's cool, guys. They had no sign. They had no sign. They have to ask for godly counsel. Can you tell us where it is? These guys tell them, tell them about what scripture says. So that tells me that these wise men, listen, they were so wise, they were teachable. Everybody say teachable. The wisest people are teachable. The wisest people. The day we think we know it all, we're not teachable and we'll never stop growing. The wisest men were teachable and scripture says that is a requirement to be uh, wise in the church or even an elder or a leader in the church. You have to remain teachable. Um, some people make a commitment in life to remain teachable and some people don't. Some people cap out along the way. And, yeah, I know, I know, or don't want to learn. I'm just telling you in scripture, these wise men who knew so much stuff didn't know it all. They followed scripture. They followed the sign. They didn't have a sign. And they said, can you educate us, please? Can you help us? Can you give us some wisdom and discernment that we don't have? Where's the Messiah supposed to come from? Because we don't know our next step. As wise as we are, we simply don't know the next step. And the, the religious leaders of Jerusalem consult scripture. And they come back and say, we'll tell you what scripture says. And they're teachable to what the word of God says. I think it's amazing um, because sometimes God gives you a sign and sometimes he won't give you a sign and we have to still walk in faith to his counsel. So thank God for his signs, but no matter what happens, walk according to his word. So after, this is what's cool about this. God is a rewarder. If you diligently seek him, he will reward you. And here's, here's proof of that. These guys go to Jerusalem. They ask the question, can you tell me where? We don't have a sign anymore. We don't know where to go. We are teachable. We're seeking wise counsel. Will you tell us where to go? And they say, Bethlehem is where he's gonna be born. And they know the sign means he is born or is being born or was born. We know that. Scripture says it. We're going to see the prophecy fulfilled. And they step out as they march towards Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, the star appears before them again, Scripture says. The star appears again. The star they started out with to follow gave them direction. They didn't have direction. They had a seek wise counsel. They understood what scripture means. Somebody taught them the word of God on a deeper level, things they were missing, things they didn't know, just like there's things that you and I don't know that we have to seek and search the scripture and get wisdom and counsel from God and from godly counsel. And then they begin on the journey to Bethlehem because scripture says that's the way to go. And all of a sudden the star appears again. How cool is that? The missing star appears again. They're like, awesome. This is like God confirming we must be doing what God wants because he's given us another sign again. Thank you, God, for signs. 
and they're walking and, and, and they follow this sign. They've been traveling for months from Persia. That's what most historians would say from what you have to go through to get from there to here and mountain ranges and deserts and everything like that. It would be a very long journey to be coming. And so they've been traveling a long time. They keep filing it and it finally stops and it appears to stop over this house. House, the Bible says house. So we know if, uh, not to wreck your nativity set, but how many of you under your nativity have we three kings of Orientar under your thing? Okay, there might not be three. There's three gifts. We don't know how many kings. It's plural. And um, the other thing about it is uh, we have the manger scene, right? You guys got the manger scene with the, with the shepherds and the wise man. Scripture says there's a little time lapse between those two visitations. At this point, Jesus is in a house, which means that Jesus was already born either the month earlier, weeks earlier, or something we don't know. There's no definitive timeline. But we do know the shepherds appeared the night of the birth. And we do know that Jesus is showing up, excuse me, the wise men are showing up to a house now. And Herod is even saying, tell me what time, what time did the star appear? He's trying to get a timeline on the birth date, if you will, of the Messiah King. So they find the king, and now what? What do you do when you start a journey in faith? You follow the prophecy of Scripture. You're believing what God says. You're thanking him for the sign. You lose the sign. You don't have a sign. Now you seek godly counsel. You get godly counsel. God rewards that godly counsel as you continue to walk in faith. They never quit the journey, and God blessed them with a sign again. And they followed the sign straight to the house of the newborn King Jesus. Now what do you do? Well, you have to do what wise people do. Listen. Do what wise people do when they get in the presence of Jesus. When you get in the presence of Jesus, what do you do? They bowed and they worshiped him. What else do you do in the presence of Jesus? Have you guys heard the song, I Can Only Imagine? I Can Only, great song. I Can Only Imagine. If you haven't heard it, pull it up on your phone on the way home and listen to the words. It's epic. It's a life-changing song. What are you going to do when you see him face to face? What are you going to do? And the song is, I can only imagine, I can stand before you, Jesus, or in awe of you, be still. You know, will I dance before you? I, I don't even know what, am I going to fall to my knees? And I don't know what I'm going to do in your presence, but I'm going to do something because I, I can't be the same in your presence, Jesus. I can't just be the same in your presence. Something's going to change. And I don't know if I'm going to fall to my knees or I'm going to shout at the top of my lungs. I'm going to do something because your presence changes everything. So what do wise men and women do in the presence of of Jesus, these guys knew what to do and wisdom tells us what they did. These guys bowed down and they worshiped. Here's our fourth point this morning. You want to be the wisest men and women. Recognize the worth. Everybody say worth. The worth. The worth of Christ and the priority of worship. You know, worship comes from the same root word as worth. Worship and worth. There's value in who he is so we bow and we worship him. Why? Because he is so worthy. Everyone say worthy. He's worthy, the worth of Christ. What is the worth of Christ? And some people believe, but they don't, they're not putting a lot of worth in the worthy one. I, oh, I believe, I believe it, but I, I don't put any worth there. But I believe, and these guys were wise. They knew how worthy the newborn king was, and they understood the worth of Christ and the priority of worshiping him. Because if we understand worth, we will turn around and worship. If God is worthy of all of our praise, as scripture says, then we will turn around and direct our praise to him. Amen? If he's worthy of our praise, if he's not worthy, we won't direct worship and praise to him. And so some of you have a uh, worship and praise is a big part of your life. It's a big part of your life. Maybe because you see the value and the worth of God in a different light. 
Maybe you do. And if you don't, ask God, God, show, reveal your worth to me because I want to step into praise and worship uh, because God is worthy. But sometimes we're not seeing uh, the worth and we need a renewal in our life, in our heart, in our mind, in our soul of the worth of God and just of how worthy he, he is. These guys did, did this and they just didn't do a, uh, their, their biblical worship, guys, was not just, listen, it wasn't just singing songs. They didn't just come around and say, Jesus, Messiah, name above all names, three-part harmony, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. They weren't just doing a three-part like barbershop quartet around Jesus, Jesus, Messiah, getting into a gospel thing. They weren't doing that. They weren't doing that. They got down on their knees and they worshiped him and they they brought something of substance to Jesus because they knew their worship was more than just words. And I, I want to say that because wisdom, the Bible says when it comes to worth and worship, that when we see Jesus and we see God for who he is, it changes, listen, it changes the other things that we see worth in. It changes what we value. Our value system changes. Listen, if you followed, if you became a follower of Jesus today, and your value system didn't change, you have to really question if you became a follower of Jesus or you have to question if you truly see the worth of Christ. Really, myself included. If nothing in my life changed, then maybe, maybe I didn't change anything of worth. Everything is worth the same as it was the day before I accepted Jesus. And, and that can't really be true. If he really is the king, if he really is the Lord, if he's really calling you by name to follow him, if he's really the way, the truth, and the life, if he's really the king of kings, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, if he's Emmanuel, the, the door, the true vine, the living water, the light of the world, if he's all these things, if he's all these things, which he is, then it has to change the worth of other things. And our heart should reflect that, and our heart will reflect that. And these guys didn't just sing, Jesus, Messiah. They got down, and they bowed, and they worshiped, and they turned around, and they brought things that came from their heart, and it was substance. And I I mean that sincerely because these guys showed us wisdom and they showed us worth and there was worth in their, in their giving. And so this is hard to say to, you know, to, to us as a family of believers because I know everyone's got issues uh, with their own heart. A lot of people do. I know I did early on in my faith and I've talked to many others that have issues in their heart about the idea of giving, the the, 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 the topic of giving and, and it's kind of a pull away and shut back thing. I'm just telling you, Find out where that comes from. Find out where, if you've got a reluctance, to, if you've got a, a thing of holding back worth to God's glory and God's kingdom and his ways and his realm and his, literally the kingdom of God, endorsing, supporting the work of Jesus Christ, if you've got a hesitation, ask God, where's that coming from? Because the wise men didn't have it. And why do I? If we still have worth in these different categories and his ways and his kingdom and his value and his message isn't a priority. We got to wonder, are we doing what the wise men, are we the wisest men and women? Are we not? I, I mean this sincerely, you know? And if you have a problem with that, then start somewhere else. The tithe is supposed to come into the storehouse. It's supposed to come into the church, our first fruits. But listen, if you have a problem with that, start tithing somewhere else. Listen, if you have a problem with tithing at the church, but you have a problem with giving, start somewhere else. Start giving to a gospel-centered mission printed by, if you have a problem, the Bible says it's supposed to come into the storehouse, but I want to be so clear with you, I want to see you have victory over things that have worth where they shouldn't be. 
you, you can't let things have worth in your life that, that shouldn't have worth. There's not wisdom in that. And so if that's an issue of your life, well, then, then find another Christ-centered cause and make that your priority. I say that because I would rather see you liberated than walking in, 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 the, in the worth, seeing the worth of Christ, and I'd rather see you work, walk in the blessing of that. Uh, this is something that, um, you know, I've been doing for over 25 years, and I understand this, but I had to learn a lesson about it, and I had to learn a lesson, so I encourage you to do that. So these guys recognized the worth of Christ and the priority of worship, and they brought with them frankincense, myrrh, and gold. And the frankincense, in fact, this would be great if the worship team uh, would come up. Uh, the frankincense in this passage right here um, is incense for a king. It's the incense you would burn before a king. It's a it's, it's, it's honoring the king. And the, the myrrh, the myrrh is an incense of, of death. It's what you do at death. And so it was very symbolic that this King Jesus Messiah came with a mission and the mission was to lay his life down and be a sacrifice. And that's surprising because the Jewish culture didn't think the Messiah was going to lay down his life and die unless you really look at some passages like Isaiah 53 very closely and Psalm 22 closely and you go, Oh, the Messiah King of Israel is going to lay his life down. Oh, I missed that part. And King Jesus did that. So he got, the, he got the frankincense and he also got the myrrh. But he also got gold. And not only is gold a gift for a king, listen, the, the gold helped the ministry of Jesus. And I don't know if you ever thought about it this way. Helped the ministry of Jesus profoundly. And we're talking about the ministry of Jesus. Soon after this, we know Herod wanted the wise men to come back. Tell me where he is, because I want to pay tribute also. If you read the passage, you find out Herod does not want to pay tribute. He wants to destroy all the babies in a young age range to make sure he got the Messiah. And that's what he followed through and, and did. Very, very dark individual, sad that he would even think that way to destroy life, to try to get the Messiah out of fear. But the point is this, he brought gold, and bringing the gold, the gold was to sustain the family. The family is now about to pack up in a cold winter and head to another nation, leave their country, and be foreigners in another land, and actually go down with a newborn baby. I don't know, if moms, if you would imagine packing up a newborn infant and heading out and going to another country and trying to fly under the radar for a while. But that's what Mary and Joseph did with baby Jesus. They just packed him up, and they went south of the border, and they had to lay low down there for quite a while, and they waited for Herod to die before they came back. And this gold was golden, pun intended, this gold helped sustain them. This gold helped pave the way. This gold helped to finance the journey of Jesus and his family to go down there and to be in a safe place and to live down there long enough till, Herod, till finally come back to Nazareth where Jesus was raised. We don't think of that in the story, but these gifts also help the work of the ministry, the work, ministry of Christ. I think it's a different way to see the gifts, but that's what happened with these gifts. And the wise men brought gifts to provide and sustain for this season of life for Jesus. If somebody asked me, could I have helped Jesus' life in the early years, what I would do? And I'd go, yeah, I'd be so honored to do that. But some don't even see it through this lens. The ministry of Christ. The church is his church. The gospel is his message. The forgiveness is his forgiveness. The glory is his glory. It's his word. It's his spirit. We're his people. And so that's what wise men do. We see it through that lens. We see through a different, we have worth in different places. We bow differently. We serve differently. We give differently. We speak differently because of the magnitude of the one we speak about. Here's the last thing I want to say. Um, Herod said, come back to me, wise man, when you see this Christ child. You tell me where, what house he's in. I too want to 
pay homage. And so the right thing would have been to do is to obey the king and not get in trouble. In theory, that's what most people would do when you go to a foreign land and the king makes a a demand from you like that. But these wise men had wisdom and they discerned, they discerned differently. They discerned differently. These guys discerned and they were warned in a dream, do not go back and do not tell Herod. Instead, go home a different way because the Christ child is going to live. And he's a threat. That's profound wisdom. That's profound discernment. Our last point is this, and wise men and women will hold on to this and will live this out and model this in their lives, is to learn to discern and respond to spiritual warfare. Learn to discern what spiritual warfare is and respond to spiritual warfare. The king is saying, come and tell me. But if you pray and camp out with God enough, you're going to sense the Holy Spirit saying, that counsel, that's not my counsel. I'm not saying that. He's saying that. And there's something behind him saying that. It's not even Herod. It's the devil and his demons trying to speak through Herod. So when you're wise, you get to discern the source material of things. You get to discern conversations. You get to discern where it's really coming from. And they discern that is not from God. And we're not going to obey what is not from God. We're going to obey the voice of truth. And so we're not going to do, we're going to learn to discern um, spiritual warfare and obey, listen, obey God rather than man. Obey God rather than man. The apostles said that. Listen, we got to obey God rather than man. Humanity will tell you all kinds of things, throw all kinds of things at you. Check the word. Maybe you can obey man and obey God at the same time. Hallelujah. But if humanity's asking you to do something and it's disobeying God, you have to bow out gracefully and say, no, I'm going to stand accountable before the king of kings one day with all my actions. I'm going to walk this one out in faith. Oh yeah, well, if you don't, and like the apostles saying, we can't help but what we've seen and what we've heard. <laughs> we can't help it. We're going to continue to testify. We're going to continue to live according to his counsel, uh, his wisdom, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. And that is blessable and that is rewardable. So I just want to close in prayer. But remember... No one understood the spirit of Christmas the way these wise men did. They started on a journey believing word. God blessed them with signs. When they were lacking signs, they had to seek godly counsel, just like we do. When they received godly counsel, and it was even specific to scripture, here's what the book says, do this. They did it. They were teachable, and they continued to walk out by faith what the word of God said. And God blessed them with another sign. And they finally on this journey had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the King of all kings. And that demanded a response as they fell to their knees and they worshiped. But because they truly worshiped, they saw the worth of the King and they just didn't sing songs. They bring a deeper expression from their heart. And that's what the Bible says gifts are when we bring tithes our gifts to God. It's a deeper expression of our heart than just our lips. And the Bible's got a lot to say. We're not going to say that. But they understood worship and magnitude and the worth of God, his mission, his cause, his ways. They understood it. That's what wise men and women do. And lastly, they understood spiritual warfare. They understood we got to obey God, not man. We understood when a voice comes up and it might sound like the wise thing to do, they wait, wait a second. God's not behind that voice. God is not endorsing that. God's telling us something different, so we're actually not going to do it. They understood Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, more than any of us. And their journey became the journey of a lifetime. As will yours and mine. If we walk in wisdom with King Jesus, your journey will be a journey of a lifetime. You will have stories to tell. 
and you will get to change, see God change others around you along the way. This is what happens when we, when we walk this out. And the last thing is wise men and women still seek him. And you have friends and family you're going to be around this, this Christmas time. You're going to be around people. And uh, they don't know anything. They just think it's religion or a belief system or something, some road you went down. But when they see the wisdom of God in your life, when they see God changing you and God's wisdom in your life, they're going to go, wait, there's something different about you. It's not me. It's he who is in me. Just tell them, look, it's, God offers this to everybody. I, I don't have anything down. I'm not, I'm not one of these Persian wise men. But I will tell you, God's counsel is good. His wisdom is good. His discernment is good. And if you follow him, he will give it. Listen, God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, any of you, me, you, any of us lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give it to him liberally and without reproach. Liberally and without reproach. You ask God for wisdom, believing by faith, he'll give it to you. And the Bible says he will, will give it to you. Uh, I just want to ask, if you want wisdom this morning to stand, I know I'm standing. I, there's areas in my life I need to wisdom and discern things. And it, it just, if, if it is you, um, eyes closed, heads bowed down. Just symbolically, just put your hands out before the Lord. No one's looking at you. It might not be normal for you to do that, but just put your hands before the Lord empty and, and, and just say right now, God, your word says that if I lack wisdom, I can ask. And Father, you will give it to me liberally and without reproach. And so, Heavenly Father, we're asking for wisdom. We want to be the wisest men and women, God. We want to be wise like the wise men. We want to read scripture, understand it. We want to discern it. We want to walk it out by faith on our journey with Christ. Thank you for signs, God. Give us signs. We love signs and wonders. They're beautiful. They're profound. Everyone sees them. We see them. We get fired up. But God, thank you for them by faith. And sometimes we don't have them. And sometimes we might be waiting a long time for one. And we're still going to walk according to your word. When we don't have a sign, we're still going to walk according to your truth, God. Give us the wisdom to do that, Lord. Give us the wisdom, God, when we don't know what to do to seek godly counsel. Wise is the counsel of many. Show us who in our life should be our counsel, God. Not anybody, not anyone on the job, not anyone in the family. You know who wise counsel is, God. You know who knows your word. You know who your spirit is moving in their life, God. Put those kind of brothers and sisters around us, God. Give us the kind of counsel that we can seek and say, here's my deal. What do you think about it? And they will not just run off on a tangent. They will speak the voice of truth in our lives. God, put godly counsel in our lives. We all need godly counsel, God. And then, Lord, show us, Lord, as in wisdom, show us the worth of Jesus. Show us his worth, God. Show us the worth that we're missing, the worth of his message, his kingdom, his ways, his mission on earth. Uh, you said, as you've seen me do, you do also. We're trying to carry out the work of Jesus on earth to a world and a city that desperately needs you. God, show us the worth of your work and your ways and your mission and your person, God. You are so worthy of praise from a deep place. And God, show us how to discern spiritually. There's voices every day speaking to our heart, speaking to our mind, speaking through a song, speaking through a TV show. And Lord, we have to discern God is behind that or God is not behind that. God is not behind that at all. And if I were to listen to that voice, I would get wrecked. If I listen to that voice, my life would get shipwrecked and those around me would. But I'm going to listen to the voice of truth because I want to be a wise man of God. I want to be a wise woman of God. I want to walk in the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. So God, help me discern. Help me discern spiritual warfare. 
Show me how to obey your voice and not the voice of the enemy. God, give us wisdom today, God. We ask, we know you'll give it liberally and without approach. We pray for a profound upgrade in our wisdom department, God. Help us to be around wise men and women, Lord. That wisdom, Lord, will rub off on us and rub off on them, God. We pray for an upgrade this Christmas, Lord. Let it be our Christmas gift. Let us get the wisdom of the wise men and women. Let us live for your glory and honor you in all things. We love you. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. Hey, uh... This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.